The Final Furlong Podcast is brought to you in association with AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. Welcome along to the Final Furlong Podcast, uh, history in the making, as this is our second of our now twice-weekly podcasts. Thanks so much for all the kind words on social media during the week. Hopefully today we're going to find you some winners for the weekend. And what a weekend we have in store. The inaugural running of the Dublin Racing Festival at Leopardstown is going to be absolutely fantastic. And some star horses on show as well. To preview it, we've got the man himself, Mr. Kevin Blake. Hello. You are going to be up the walls this weekend, my friend. Can't wait. Can't wait. It's a good kind of busy. Yeah, that's the way I'm looking at it too. Uh, and another man who will be up the walls as well is Kevin's second partner in crime. I'm his off-screen face for radio partner. He's his on-screen charismatic partner. Gary O'Brien, welcome back to the Final Forum Podcast. Evening, lads. How you doing? Delighted to be part of history. Yeah, great to have you on the show as well, by the way. There was some reaction when we announced... Uh, last night, Gary O'Brien's going to be on the podcast. People were freaking out, so no pressure, Gary, uh, to be freaking out in a bad way. To be, oh no, no, in a good way, in a very, very good uh, there way. Was, it was a mix. It was a mix. Yeah. <laughs> I'll settle for that. That's probably as good as I'm going to do. I think people were more excited about the fact that Gene is going to be on track doing reporting on on, on Saturday for Arthur races. And that's that's well. just you, Kennedy. That sounds to reason, in fairness. Kevin, Kevin, you're you're you keep perpetuating this myth. Right, let's go on. Um, the, the day really does get off to a fantastic start if you can make it to Leopardstown do because it's going to be a superb weekend um, we're all there on Sunday the whole team Tony Keenan proof that we have not fallen out with Tony Keenan he will be there with us on Sunday afternoon uh, so looking forward to that but we're kicking off with a grade one and uh, it's a really interesting novice hurdle as well uh, Kevin Blake uh, Carter McKay a horse who probably needs to r- repair his reputation um, fabul- fabulous saga as well Dortmund Park leads the way in the betting though for Gordon Elliott what do you make of this one yeah, I suppose the big surprise here was Sam Crow wasn't declared. Yes, um, he he was the people. You know, Gordon to be fair kept his balls in the air a little bit, and he hadn't um, committed. But a little, little bit surprising that he didn't go here. And you know, calling a spade a spade, this probably isn't the strongest Grade One. I think it's fair to say. But Dorman Park is a horse I really like. Um, Trey my Gordon, able deputy for for Gordon. Um, he's probably surprised them a little bit um, based on his overall profile, but he was very good last time. I, I, he'll be a fabulous chaser. I, I really see him as a chaser in the making, but he was very good the last day at Tireless. Um, you know, he, he jumps like a bit a bit chaser in the making, um, but he looks a lovely, honest, strong-staying horse. And um, I, I can see why he's fab. I thought Fabulous Saga might be fab, but I would have been happy to take him on now because Fabulous Saga, he has a bit more experience than most of these but to be honest, I think it, it was a weak grade three and a, and a weak grade two that he's won in his last couple of starts. And I know he's probably landed on a, a below par grade one here, but I, I think he's a bit vulnerable. His jumping isn't all that great. And um, I think he might be a bit vulnerable. Do you think, Kevin, the fact that they have gone the two-mile route with Sam Crow and that they're going the staying route here with Dortmund Park is a indication of which direction these horses will go at Cheltenham? Um, perhaps, perhaps uh, we'll, we'll talk about Sam Crow in more detail later. I wouldn't be at all upset about him going a bit shorter. But Dorman Park looks a real stayer. He's he's your your staying chaser in the making, really. And I think this this test will really suit him. And one I'll give a little mention to as well as a horse you mentioned there is Carter McKay, hmm. um, because I th- I thought he shaped really nicely behind Getterbird. Yeah. Um. He he. he jumped, I was impressed with his jumping. It was only his second start over hurdles. 
And when he just got a little bit squares up there on the home bend, and David Mullins was very, very easy on him uh, when when the when Getterberg got away from him. And to be honest, I, I think the horse had more left to give. You know, I think the step up and trip won't bother him at all. And I, I could definitely see a more forward display from him. Um, but I'd probably favour Dorman Park going to the old head. So, Gary, your view on the opening race of the Dublin Racing Festival kicking off in Grade 1 company? That's it. I, I wouldn't disagree with a lot of what Kevin said there, Emmett, to be honest. I think in terms of Dortmund Park, you can understand why they've gone the shorter route with Sam Crow. I think if Sam Crow had run here, Jigginstown wouldn't really have had much of a chance in the two-mile race. I don't think they had too many other obvious contenders for that. Whereas if they run Sam Crow there and Dortmund Park here, they've got the favourite for both. And Dortmund Park looks a solid enough favourite to me. I know the way the conditions were at Thurless last time, you probably wouldn't want to read a huge amount into the form. But by the same token, Fabulous Saga has been winning in bottomless ground as well in his last couple of starts. And Fabulous Saga, to me, looks an out-and-out stayer. He seems like three miles and really heavy ground is what sees him to best effect. So mm. for that reason alone, I wouldn't necessarily put too much stock in the jockey bookings for the Willie Mullins horses here. I actually think sounds like Kevin's on the same track that maybe Carter McKay might be the main threat to the Elliott horse. Yeah, I completely agree with the way Kevin assessed him. I just thought he shaped really nicely behind Getterbird. And it's easy to get lost in how impressive Getterbird was that day with the exception of his of his mistake at the last. But that, that was an eye-catching performance. And it's interesting that they've decided to up him in trip because you just there's always been a bit of a, a high profile around this horse. I mean, he was a big talking horse ahead of the champion bumper last season. And you just feel that there could be a, a bit of improvement there. Is, is he a horse that you'd have on your mind for, for backing at current prices? Um, I don't know whether I actually have a few quid on him would I be that strong on him I do, I'm a fan of Dortmund Park and I think all things being equal he's probably the most likely winner it's actually funny you go back to that race in Punchestown and I remember on the day or maybe it was the following day Gordon Elliott was actually kind of using the proximity of Carter McKay to suggest maybe Mengley Khan had run a little bit mm. below par mm, that's right but if this horse comes out and puts it up to Dortmund Park or maybe even beats him on Sunday we'll, maybe we'll be more inclined to believe that Punchestown form yeah, I well, it, I just I just advise the the listeners to go and have a look at that run again yourselves because it was very. The more the more I watched it now, I didn't take all that much notice of it at the time now. But looking at it again yesterday, it really does catch the eye the the way David rode that horse. He really looked after him, and while it looked like he might weaken and be swamped, he actually gave him a bit of a giddy up there down over the last, and he put distance between himself and the fort again. You know, so I think there was more left if he'd really asked for it. He obviously wasn't going to win. He probably wasn't going to be second, but. He might have been competing for a second, and I think that's worth considering. Okay, that's going to be a fascinating opener, the grade one. Uh, Ten past one, live on At The Races. After that, the dream is alive for Kevin Blake. Finally, <laughs> finally, sense has, been, sense has prevailed. Graham Wiley has listened to this podcast religiously, and he's heard Kevin Blake's words, and he has decided two miles is the best trip for York Hill. And on Saturday... We'll get to see if that is exactly the case. He'll face his stable companion, Min, uh, the horse who beat him, a little bit controversially, uh, simply Ned over Christmas. Special Tiara, the Queen Mother Champion Chase winner, is in there as well. Uh, and good old Bally Casey's knocking around for the crack. Why not? <laughs> um, York Hill over two miles, Kevin. You were talking about the... You have a slight concern about York Hill at Leopardstown. Um, oh look I, I'm so excited about this race now I really really am This for me this is one of my highlights the weekend I can't wait to see it because like you say I've been talking about this horse dropping to, to around two miles for a long time 
and we get a chance to see it. And look, as regular listeners will know, when I really, really like a horse, I can start to get very, <laughs> very picky and very windy about little things. And I suppose there's two things here that have me slightly, slightly concerned. It's the fact he, he had a little bone chip out there after his run in the, the Leopardstown Christmas chase. He missed 10 days. Willie is playing that down, saying he would have been very easy on a man away in those 10 days after the race. But it, it's a thing, and it's not ideal. And the second thing you briefly mentioned there, Leopardstown, I don't think, is a perfect track for him. It's obviously left-handed, which suits him well, but there's no rail immediately inside the fences, as there is at the likes of Cheltenham. So he can be inclined just to wander out that way a little bit. But, look, I've, I've thought about this a lot, and the main crux of my argument with this horse over the years is that it's not so much the trip. He clearly stays, you know, certainly two and a half, and he probably would stay three miles, but he just needs pace in front of him because he's a horse that likes to have a, a reach, let fly at his fences. He's a horse that can race freely, and he's a horse that acts the absolute eejit when he's left in front. So all of those things will be helped by a strong gallop at a shorter trip. He gets the shorter trip, and with Min, Special Tiara, Elysia Dirland, you look, nothing's ever guaranteed, but you'll be very upset if they don't go a good, solid two-mile gallop here, and we'll be able to find out. Because I think that the, the Leopardstown thing with the fences, honestly, I, I believe a lot of the jumping left will go away if he gets a good gallop in front of him. I don't think that'll be a feature uh, or certainly not a significant feature of his performance as long as that pace is there in front of him. So I can't wait to see it. And look, as long as they go a, a good solid gallop, I'd be hopeful we will certainly see the best of York Hill. And I think, or cert, I hope we see enough to see him run in the Queen Mother because I, I think we'd see the very, very best of York Hill in the Queen Mother. So you can probably tell him I'm getting jiggy just talking about it. I, I can't wait. You, it should be a fantastic scene. You can hear the excitement in your voice. You're, you're about to li- like Gary. You're going to have to calm him down at 1:45 like, on ATR. It's like Christmas Eve, isn't it? It, it is. You can just you can hear it in his voice. And like bear in mind that, that Gary O'Brien is such a professional that he commentated on his own horse in the Grand National and managed to be calm and cool as the horse was actually coming into contention. He was also well. with that very same horse. Ice cold when he won the was it the Cork National and Kevin was like bouncing beside you going this is Gary Gary you have to win. You know, <laughs> I think I was in shock that's why <laughs> no, total pro just I, yes and uh, fantastic performance there and uh, be great for all connections me included nice money but <laughs> you're just very important you're just gonna have to keep keep a lid on him um, we keep hearing this thing about Willie Mullins not letting his stars take each other on and yet Min despite his defeat last time out when he was disqualified and clearly he underperformed that day like many of, of Willie's horses did um, he is highly regarded York Hill is obviously a, a huge uh, profile horse and they're taking each other on here this is this is Willie Mullins really supporting the Dublin Racing Festival and it's also letting him to have two of his best horses take each other on and we'll, we'll learn more about them and get to decide what their targets will be later in the season it's great to see, isn't it? And the other thing to bear in mind is it's not a grade one either if you were going to get two horses like that yeah. that were going to clash from the one stable you'd expect it to be in the grade one, but it's actually a grade two. Mm. Now, 100 grand on offer, fair enough. It's got the prize money to befit a grade one, but it's a super racing prospect. I think Kevin, the point he made there about the fences at Leopardstown is a really good one. Automatically, I think a lot of people think, oh, York Hill jumps left, Leopardstown's a left-handed track. That's going to be fine for him, but there isn't that rail on the inside and he, he can give away ground by jumping out to the left at those fences. But the other side of the coin is he's got to get the pace he wants here, surely with Elysia Derland, who's a tear away 
specialty are uh, Bally Casey can go forward as well. So you take out the little issue that Willie Mullins talked about the little chip, I think it was a bone chip he mentioned that he had mm. after the Christmas race. I was kind of actually second guessing myself did I hear it right when he said it at the time or had he said it already but I think everything's in his favour in terms of how the race is going to be run and if he does jump straight you'd imagine in terms of ability he might just be too strong for them we are huge fans of York Hill on this podcast and we've had Graham Wiley on the show a number of times and you can hear the the love that he has for him as well I got him badly wrong I I honestly thought he'd be a Gold Cup horse this season and I argued with Kevin many times on this show and have egg still on my face from those arguments. Uh, but when you look back at his JLT performance, like that form is red hot. If he can, if he's in top form, and if he gets the pace he needs, and if he doesn't act the idiot and goes and, and does it, then he's going to be a huge player at Cheltenham. Oh, no, Dave. And I think the reason people maybe suggested, and, and maybe connections as well, that he could go down the Gold Cup route is that a, he's bred for it, and B, if he did ever consent to settle, I think he would get the Gold Cup trip okay, mm-hmm. but it's just he's just a bit of a nut job, really, and doesn't do himself any favours with the grip he takes in his races, and I suppose over the shorter trip, there's less chance of him maybe compromising what's left of the business end with a good gallop early on, as he's likely to get tomorrow as well, so you can fully understand going down this road, but I don't know, would he, would he definitely go champion chase if he wins here, or would they keep the Ryanair in the mix? Oh, he'd, he'd have to go cha- if he won he'd have to go champion chase surely regardless of what the rest of them are doing like some people are saying well if he beats Min Min will go Ryanair I don't think you could go Ryanair with Min because he, he's pre- he's plenty free going himself hmm. and he looks like a two miler and then you've got Dovan potentially coming into the mix so it's a real headache but look if York Hill wins this it'll be a tragedy if, if they went oh, tragedy we'll, we'll get a bit of context there but it would be terrible <laughs> if, um, if if he did go back up and trip because I, I think I, I really do think this is what he wants to do. And I, I'd be very hopeful that if he does get that pace in front of him, he'll look far more straightforward than he ever has over, over those longer trips. I suppose and uh, as, you can te- as you can tell, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose it is worth bearing in mind that you know, when you go back over um, Connections comments, Ruby Walsh saying he'd win the Arkle with his... You know, what, what, what was the phrase he used? With, with his mouth open. With his yeah. mouth open, yeah. After he had, um, had, had won and acted an absolute clown in, in that Neptune Novices Hurdle, as it was known back then, when he beat Yanworth. That was a superb ride from uh, from Ruby. But I guess that point is that they've there's been mixed messages from them. Like They, they know that he's an extremely talented racehorse, and it's just finding the ideal trip for him. And I guess the fact that he won the JLT last season led them to think, oh, well, if he's done that as a novice, then he can, he surely he will stay as he goes into a second season novice. But he, he has pace. He's exceptionally talented. It's just a matter of getting all of those things to combine correctly and keeping him right. And if you can get that right, then hopefully he'll put on a big performance. Uh, in terms of Min, Gary, what are you expecting from him? He was definitely below par. Uh, even though he was first past the post at Christmas time, with the greatest of respect to Simply, Simply Ned, you would have expected him to win that day. A number of the Mullins horses didn't really perform at Christmas time. Uh, would you add him to that category, or, or are we doing him a favour there by uh, giving him an excuse? Do you know what? It's hard to know with him, because he's only had those two runs since he had whatever issue it was, kind of ended his campaign a bit prematurely last season, and the first of them was basically a non-event at Coran Park. It was it three-runner race so this should maybe at least give us a good guide as to what sort of level he's at right at this very moment I know 
on the day of the race at Christmas, Connections felt that Tell Us More, taking him on early on, maybe compromised his chance a bit at the business end. But even allowing for that, you still would have expected him maybe to fend off Simply Ned, as you say, without the interference. And Simply Ned, I think, would have won had he managed to get through on the rail. So mm. jury is out for me on Min at the moment. I think I'd definitely be watching him rather than back him, even if York Hill wasn't in the race on Sunday. And I'd just like to maybe see him show a bit more of the sparkle that he showed as a novice before injury or whatever it was intervened. Yeah, there's there's definitely a huge talent there as well. It's a fascinating race, and it's great to see York Hill and Min both taking each other on. Um, obviously, there's the other horses too, but uh, you know it's all about Min and York Hill. Um, <laughs> by the way, in the, in the current world of social media where Snapchat and uh, there's that image of the guy being bullied, the school kid being bullied, and he knocking the guy who was bullying him out cold uh, floating around, I recommend that if you are at Leopardstown at the weekend, just go to the At The Races podium. Go to where Gary and Kevin are. And don't watch the race. Just watch Kevin's face. And maybe <laughs> video it. Put it up on Twitter. Because whatever the result is, it's going to be an epic reaction. If he gets beaten, Kevin will be the inconsolable. If he wins, he'll be fist-pumping. He'll be high-fiving. He'll be running around trying to get hugs from people saying, I told you, lads, I told you. So that's the man to keep an eye on. Uh, and you could see it on ATR at the weekend. He'll be standing in front of a camera as it is, so they'll <laughs> be able to record him inside. Please, at the races, producers, please record that and then air it afterwards. We would love to see it. Uh, we're also going to be loving to see Footpad in action over the weekend. He will take on Petit Mouchoir, who, if he's at his best, uh, will be a proper test for him any second now. Yeah. He's an interesting one. Uh, let's leave it at that, shall he'll, we? And he'll finish any second again, yeah. Yeah, exa exactly. Uh, so the Frank Ward solicitors, Arkel Novice Chase, uh, Gary leads off at footpad. He was a very good hurdler, but over fences, he looks like he's taken his form to a completely different level. Kevin has talked about how foot perfect his jumping is. He doesn't lose any ground in, in the air. Um, and he just looks... Like there was a lot of talk about him at the start of the season that Willie was making comparisons to him to, to previous novice hurdlers that they've had in the yard. And sometimes you hear that kind of stuff and you think, ah, it's a lot of nonsense. He's won a great one and only his second start. He looks a real proper star. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, the day he won at Navin first to meet him, and I think myself and Kevin were both working that day. I was on track and he was over in the studio. And as first impressions go over fences, I don't think you could really ask for any more than that. To me, it was even more impressive than Duvan and Vautour when they won first time out at Navin wow. as well. And the reason I think maybe it took a little bit longer for people to accept that this was a real top horse is because unlike those two, he had a second season over hurdles and he ran an open company in, in grade one hurdles. And fair enough, he got beaten a few times and he was beaten a few times by Petit Mouchoir, who's going to be running against him on Sunday. But... Sometimes horses do make significant improvement when they go over the larger obstacles. And to me, that definitely looks the case with him. I mean, I loved what Petit Mouchoir did the day he won first to over fences, but it obviously hasn't been plain sailing for him since then. And he's going to be taking on a horse who absolutely bolted up in a grade one at Christmas time. It, it's a two-horse race. I, I think I'd struggle to see Demi Song maybe getting up to that level based on what I saw at Nace. So I would expect Footpad to win. If Petit Mouchoir can... Finish within maybe three, four lengths of him after a less than ideal preparation. That will make it interesting for a rematch at Cheltenham. But I think footpads as exciting and novice chaser as I've seen, as I say, in, in, in a fair old while now. Gary, just a couple of things there to say to you. Uh, first of all, I'm not sure if you looked at the rotor or not, but um, it's actually Saturday. And uh, oh, and you do have to, turn, and you do have to <laughs> turn up to work on Saturday as well. Because if listeners turn up on Sunday and they're like, 
hey, where's where's Footpad? What's going on? <laughs> They've it, turned it into a weekend now, I hear. It, 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 it's, actually, it's actually a weekend now. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a bit of a mad day, folks. It's, a, it's all right. Uh, you mentioned the fact that Petit Mouchoir beat Footpad over hurdles. Uh, that's going to be an angle for a number of people going into this race that maybe he represents value. But as good as Henry de Bromhead is, he'd have to be really, really good to have him spot on for this race, Gary. That's exactly it. I think first and foremost, they just want to see him back on the track, show no ill effects from the problem that's kept him on the sidelines for the last three months or so. But as I say, if he beats the rest of them and gets within a reason, you know, hailing distance of footpad, then that gives them something to work with. And then they can go on to Cheltenham. And I suppose every horse that's at Leopardstown this weekend is there to win. But with a horse like him who's coming back from a little bit of an issue, I suppose you have got an eye on Cheltenham as well. And mm. That, to me, would be a, a pretty satisfactory run from Petit Mouchoir here. That would give connections, I think, a bit to cling to if they were to meet again. Yeah, we, we can get carried away at times, Kevin, and uh, you know, just look at a race and just say, OK, he's going to win, and that's that, and then end up a little bit shocked. But this son of the former Jim Bulger trained Krakador has just looked ridiculously exciting. And if he'd asked me at the start of the season, you know, going through Willie Mullen's stable tour, which novice would I be most excited about? Footpad wouldn't have been on my radar, I have to be honest. But he just looks to be, as Gary has been saying there, taking his form to a completely different level over fences. So just briefly, why is it that some horses excel over the larger obstacles than, than the smaller ones? What is it about that that just brings out such improvement? Well, I'm pretty sure Footpad wasn't in the stable tour. I did with Willie Mullins at the start of the season because uh -oh. I didn't ask him about it. <laughs> you know, he, uh, he was one of those. He was yeah. rated, like Gary says, he, he was rated 157 over hurdles, but he just was one that people weren't talking about as a novice chase prospect. And then he goes and does that at Navin. And like I'd echo pretty much everything that Gary said about boat horses there. I was just blown away by him at Navin. Uh, he was very good the last day, but the impression that he created at Navin was unbelievable. That he, The way he attacked the last fence for, from many, many strides away from it was, was just absolutely deadly. And I'm a huge fan of him. I really struggle to see him beaten here. Anyone that would have read the stable tour I did with Henry de Bramhead during the week, I gave him a, a real good squeeze on um, on Petit Mouchois, and he, he conceded, like, he considers it a stepping stone. Um, and I think that's significant. You know, I think it, the, the scenario that Gary outlined there, that if he was to finish second um, within hailing distance of footpad, I think Connections would be quite happy with that and then go and have a real go at, at Cheltenham. Um, you never know in racing, of course, and Petumi Schwab was, was deadly himself yeah. on his chasing debut, but it'll be very, very difficult for any novice chaser to beat footpad this year, never mind one that's coming in off an interrupted preparation, even one uh, as exciting as Petit Mouchois. So um, I'll be coming into this looking for a real show from Footpad. He's a short enough price for the Oracle already at Cheltenham. And, and because he's such a long odds on favourite for the weekend at Leopardstown, is the possibly the play here that if you're going to be doing a multiple or just backing him to back him for the Oracle now where it's not one or no bet? Because if he wins this, bookmakers will be falling over themselves to cut the price. Sit back and enjoy it. Yeah. You shouldn't need a financial interest to watch yeah. a horse like Footpad. But uh, what price would you make him for the Oracle in the back of a good win here? Gosh, look, he's he's short already, but he'd be shorter, I'm sure. Yeah, he'll go out. Um, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't seen one to beat him yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, may, Alan King might have a word about that, but um, that's going to be an interesting decision that they'll have to make as well. Uh, I suspect they will let them take each other on. Uh, there's no possibility, Gary, that he'll go for the JLT, is there? I would have thought zero, unless something goes wrong on Sunday, Emmett. Maybe that, but 
is possibly the only thing that might change connections mind but he's looked an out and out Arkell horse since day one funny enough because they did try him over longer trips over hurdles he ran the three mile race and then got punches yeah. Down. yeah that's right um, and he, 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 he did stay further over hurdles but when you're that good over two miles and you jump that well and you can put other horses under pressure with that jumping I wouldn't see any any reason to change to be perfectly honest I think the, the... I'm sorry I, I didn't answer your question um, about footpaths jumping it's worth going back watching footpath run over hurdles because he, he did jump hurdles in what I'd call a chasery style he just the shape he made over them the, the air he gave them there was a hint that he could be a much better jumper of a fence and um, by god he, he really really is yeah it, it's amazing though isn't it that like sometimes you will get a horse who is very good over hurdles and you're just automatically expecting him to be much to, to carry that form over defenses and it sometimes doesn't work out and, and we've seen that identity thief i think is a pretty decent example of that he reverts back to hurdles in fact on saturday and was a you know a horse that you were a big fan of kevin and it just he seemed to fall out of love with the game uh for, for chasing and yet there are other horses who are you know, show a decent enough level of form like sprinter sacra but then all of a sudden just blossom once they go over the larger obstacles it's interesting as to what it is about their mechanics that they just much prefer chasing to, to hurdling and why it is that, that they improve like that but that's one of the uh, horses for courses yeah it's one of the beauties of this fantastic game uh here's where gary o'brien comes into his own we're on to the carl sandyford handicap chase it's a naughty <laughs> it's a naught to 150 now i know kevin blake has been studying but i don't think he's been studying as hard as gary o'brien so come on gary give us the spoiler here Who's going to win? Is, is this going to be the day finally for Squatter? Is he finally going to land a handicap gamble <laughs> under Mark Walsh? Well, my guess would be no if I neck on the block. I'm not, not just basing that on past performance, but he does seem... It's a strange enough move to bring him back in distance. I think can, having run over three miles in the paddy pair and seem to get the trip well, I don't know, I'd be inclined to look past him. Mm. I think the, the other McManus runners are all kind of interesting in their own right. Maybe not so don't touch it under top weight. But the likes of nearly Namad, he won well at Ferry House. I think he's been kind of earmarked for this since. And the two down at the bottom as well, that's a wrap and Kilfenora. They're both novices, but both of them look to be on nice marks. They're at the right end of the weights for a race like this. Kilfenora is a pound out of the handicap, but I wouldn't be too worried about that. He ran pretty well, I thought, in his handicap debut last time. So it's one of those, you're looking for the market maybe to give you a few clues. But I thought the less exposed horses might just hold sway here. I think of the, the more established ones, nearly Namad is solid. He shouldn't be too far away, but I would maybe be looking at something like That's a Rap, Kilfenora, or Blast of Cumans, another one, Robert Tyner's horse. He's got a few decent chances, I think, over the weekend as well. Yeah, he's a good man to land a gamble as well, Robert Tyner. When the money comes, you should be paying attention. Uh, Kevin, is there anything that's on your radar for this race? Yeah, no, I've, I've gone through this in, in, in fair detail. And the one that really jumped off the page for me, certainly when I was doing the, the race yesterday, I see the prices have been revised quite heavily since, but um, was the one Gary mentioned there, Kilfenora, um, has a, a pretty similar profile in, in some ways that that's a wrap. They're both eight pounds lower um, over hurdles than fences, both unexposed. And um, look, I, I thought Kilfenora ran a lovely race last time behind size and titanium. Uh, one pound out of the handicap wouldn't be a concern at all. And um, some lunatic put the horse in at 28 to 1 with that's a wrap priced up as fav uh, there, there yesterday. But uh, unfortunately, that's, a, that's long, long gone. I'm looking here. I think the best price might be 11 or 12 to 1. Okay. Um, so that didn't last long. But that was just, uh, I wouldn't necessarily take that as a representation of connections getting on. I think that was just incompetent uh, <laughs> compiling as much as anything. 
um, which of course we're, we're well accustomed to at this stage they got there they would have got their mistake corrected very cheaply I'd imagine in these overnight markets but Hanoi that's, a, that's another issue for another day um, he's the one that, that jumped out at me really um, you, you know he's only had the five runs over fences but I, I was happy enough with his jumping last time at Navin so yeah he'd, he'd be the one if he was good and strong in the market on the day that would only give you encouragement and um, yeah I, I, he's the one I like okay Kilfenora uh, out of by Yates Slippers Madden uh, taking the ride I, I should just point out Gary we got a lovely email from a regular listener to the show called Ross who is taking a, a massive career change he's leaving his job to become an odds compiler and in the email he said I'm leaving my job to become a dirty scumbag odds compiler based on listening to the Final Forum podcast <laughs> and my love of racing uh, just growing and growing listening to the two of you doing that and then Kevin comes along and calls odds, odds compilers incompetent and so on so uh, best of luck Ross yeah, I, I, wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't say he could have just said hold your turn gamekeeper or something <laughs> nice and polite like that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I, w- I wouldn't call the guy to come up with this price a scumbag now he'd just be an idiot more so than anything you know <laughs> <laughs> Question is, Kevin, did your men get on? Uh, no, those overnight markets are not for me, I'm afraid. Oh, <laughs> dear. Okay, yeah. T- a tenor would have done that. Okay, that's number 19, Kilfenora in the handicap. Uh, definitely keep an eye on him under Slippers Madden. Right, the big one, arguably of the entire weekend, is the Irish champion hurdle. And if I was to tell you, after the Moigiana performance, where Faheen absolutely blitzed the opposition, that he would be odds against for the Irish champion hurdle, Gary O'Brien, you'd have slapped me on the face, <laughs> you'd have got the men in white coats, and I'd have been sectioned straight away, and yet that's the position that we find ourselves in. His opposition is Mellon, Defi Desoy, McJazz, Super Sunday, interestingly dropping a trip, and his stable companion, Jeski. Um, what are the vibes that you're picking up around Faheen, and what is the explanation that you can have, or, or that is in your mind for his performance at Christmas time? Well, that's the problem, isn't it? I don't think there is an explanation. And that's what kind of worries me most about it. I think when you have a horse like him, particularly a horse like him, but any horse really that you're expecting a big run from and they disappoint, you want to find out why and then reconcile that with the performance. And there you have your reason. You can hopefully move on from that and leave it behind the next day. But by all accounts, they haven't been able to uncover anything. And that's what worries me. Whatever clearly there was something up on the day because you don't just have an off day and run the way he did and that's what worries me that it might manifest itself again whatever it was on Sunday so from that point of view he'd want to get an awful lot bigger even than he is now Emmett for me to contemplate back him obviously his supporters would love to see a bit of market confidence in him that suggests that the Mullins can't feel that all is well again but I just it's one of those races there's so many questions you're asking yourself is Mellon quite good enough for this level is Defi de Sol, the horse that he looked last season as well. And Faheen's obviously yeah. the biggest question mark of all. So I, I find this a bit of a conundrum now, to be honest. When, when you go through the list of the opposition here, I mean, you know, there's not a, a horse like Arctic Fire. I understand that Mellon could develop into a, a really good horse, but it's one thing to go from being a good horse at grade two level. I know he was second in a grade one in the Supreme Novices Hurdle, but that Cheltenham form he would need to significantly improve from. And if Faheen has returned to his best, if, uh, Robbie McNamara made a, a very interesting point, I thought, on, on the podcast a few weeks ago. Uh, he was saying that he's actually glad that there's no explanation as to what happened to Faheen because he said if it was his horse, if there was a, a fracture that emerged or, or something, he'd be like, all right, well, the horse is out for the season. Whereas when there wasn't uh, an actual explanation, he can go, okay, well, 
the horse seems sound, so we'll just chalk that off as, a, as an off day. They're not machines, and we'll move on, and we still have a horse. Um, it, the fact that he lines up here, Gary, is that a concern to you? Because obviously his Cheltenham wins came with him not running in the calendar year. You know, he, his his um, Neptune Novice Hurdle win came on the back of that three-mile prep run at Limerick. His Champion Hurdle win came on the back of the Kempton success in the Christmas Hurdle. And then when they altered things, he put up his best performance ever, ironically, in this race in 2015, but then was off the track until this season's Mogiana Hurdle. I, like, are they running him to see if he's still there, or are they running him because they feel, yeah, he's back and uh, he's 10, let's win a grade one? I would imagine a little bit of both. Actually, it's a good point you make. When he won this race before, obviously it was earlier in the calendar as well. I think mm. it would have been a week, if not two weeks earlier in the calendar because yeah. they've moved this race a little bit later now to help make up the weekend. Um, I Yeah, I would imagine there's a little bit of both in those. They want a little bit of reassurance that that was a one-off. And then the other side of the coin, obviously, is you want to see him go out and, and prove his credentials for another big race that's only just over a month away as well. I, I really don't know what to expect from him. It's um, it's just a mystery to me what happened at Christmas. Um, mm. I don't know. I, I I can see what Robbie's saying about you know about not finding anything wrong with him in, in the Christmas run, but if it was me, I would want to find something wrong. That's just a personal preference. And if it meant he was out for the season... So be it. If he had a fracture, well, at least then it would explain it and you could get him back. But I just, it would be in my mind that whatever happened could happen again yeah. when you don't have any, any explanation for it. Uh, Kevin, the Irish Champion Hurdle has been a, a great race over the years. And William Mullins, of course, dominated it with the great Hurricane Fly, winning five in a row. Uh, and then Faheen followed in his footsteps. But this race badly needs Faheen. Like, you've made the point several times that the two-mile division has just become awfully weak and we really do need Faheen to perform here because otherwise the champion hurdle is going to be a procession for Nicky Henderson. More than likely. Um, and this is just a nightmare race. Now, I was lagging out the compilers there a minute ago, but I wouldn't have I wouldn't have fancied being the first one to price this up now because there's just a wild variation of what you what you put these horses in at. And Faheen's just an impossible horse to price, but they, they stuck him in at 6-4. to four. He's hardened up a little bit. Hard to anticipate what way it'll go tomorrow. Um Look, Mellon, I think he's capable of better. Um, last time was was technically a career best from him, despite being very, very free. So if there's a bit of pace in front of him here, he could show a bit of improvement, but he needs to show that he's champion hard class. Um, look, if you wanted to have a play in this, it, there's the dead eight. If uh, Perhaps at a wild price, the one that you could take to sneak into the frame could be Bob Palm. Um, I quite liked his run last time over three miles. He traveled great. Maybe didn't get the trip. Almost certainly didn't get the trip, to be honest. And um, that, even th the fact that he didn't quite get home, he still ran probably the best race of his life. So back to two miles, it's a big drop, but we know two miles is fine for him. Um, I'd imagine Katie Walsh will ride him quietly with a view to running home late into a place. And yeah, 25 to one or so. That would be the tentative each way play in a race that just has stay away from it written all over it. Yeah, it, it, this is really a, a watching brief, isn't it? It was interesting to me that on the Matchbook Betting Podcast yesterday, and we did three of them, which is why my voice ching is ching. so hoarse. Ching, 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 ching. So, this is, so Kevin <laughs> has, a, has decided that any time I do a plug, by the way, I'm on TalkSport 2 on Saturday morning with ching, uh, ching. Lee McKenzie, <laughs> uh, previewing the Dublin Racing Festival and chatting to Daryl Jacob. 
So, <laughs> so we did the, the match with Vinny Podcast yesterday, and Stephen was saying that uh, there were some heavy hitters having four-figure sums on Faheen for the champion hurdle at Cheltenham. Now, that can sometimes go right down the Swanee, but I thought it was interesting to pass on that some people seem to think that he's going to put up a big performance at the weekend and, and possibly... Were, were, were they all the right faces? That's the big <laughs> question. That is the big question. Uh, can we get Leon Blanche on the line? Leon, were they all the right faces? Were they? He's, he's, he's gone quiet. Uh, it's good to see an English Raider come over in, in Defi de Soy, and uh, hopefully... I mean, to be fair, English trainers have their they have their plans mapped out at the start of the season. You can't expect them to just change them and, and start bringing horses over to Ireland for the Dublin Racing Festival. But I'd like to think that in years to come, we will see uh, more of a more of a British riding party. Um, Deffy Desoy is in the lineup. Gary, he looked a superstar last year, but the more you start to look at his form, the more you start to question the strength of it. And obviously, last time it was too bad to be true. But how do you assess him? Do you know what? If I was actually having a bet in this race tomorrow, Emmett, and I don't see myself having a bet, but he's the one I'd probably back. Um, right. I know what you're saying about the form last season and, and what finished behind him in those big juvenile hurdles hasn't really gone on, but I just think he was that far superior to the rest last season that I wouldn't necessarily use that as a stick to beat him with too much. And the Hobbs stable's been, I think, well documented. It's been out of sorts for a lot of the season. So you could forgive that run at Ascot. It was over two and a half as well. And the stable have been having a few more winners of late, albeit maybe not quite with the same regularity they normally would. But I just think it's interesting as well to me that Richard Johnson's coming over to ride him. He could probably have had six, seven good rides at Sandown or one of the other meetings in England tomorrow, but he's coming over to ride him and maybe one or two others on the card at Leopardstown. I think I would take that as a vote of confidence that Devin Desoy is maybe showing a bit more sparkle at home. And if he can recapture the peak of his form last season he wouldn't be the peak form Faheen because Faheen is obviously on his day one of the best champion hurdlers for a long long time but yeah. I think if he comes back to what he was showing around about this time last year when he won the triumph hurdle I think that puts him on a similar sort of level to the rest of them so I'm just hoping that maybe he can book his ticket to the champion hurdle if he doesn't win and I'm not saying he can't win I think he's got a good chance of winning but if he doesn't win maybe just show enough to justify running next in March yeah Ed Chamberlain talked him up on the podcast when we had him on the show a few weeks ago and we were asking him right five horses for Cheltenham Ed list them out and I think the first one he said was Deffy Desoy and I said has Tony McCoy told you something about him and he went silent so <laughs> hopefully that's in it now it could be that the line broke up it could be that, that for some reason the Ed's connection just got interfered with on that, on that occasion but uh, that, that could be interesting, and it is fascinating that Richard Johnson's coming over to ride him. Uh, great to see British Raiders coming over as well, hopefully more in years to come. Um, we need your help again, Gary, because we're back to Handicap Company. Another nought to 150, this time an extended uh, handicap hurdle. Uh, it's the Grade B at 4.05, live and at the races, and it's a fairly wide open race. Off you go, tops the betting. Um, where would you be looking here? Yeah, I've actually put one up in this, Emmett, um, a horse called Midnight Stroll, um, trained by Robert, that man Robert Tyner again, who could have a big day tomorrow if all things go well. Um, it's When I look through this race, there were a lot of exposed horses. Off you go is obviously very interesting down at the bottom there. He could be absolutely lobbed in. He won, won apologising at Limerick over Christmas, but at that price, I can pass him over for a race like this and he is still relatively inexperienced I just like the way Robert Tyner's brought Midnight Stroll along won a couple of times, won a maiden at Galway won a rated race at Fairy House both times travel really powerfully through the race just 
maybe just did the bare minimum when he got to the front and he got beaten by one that's taking him on again this time a horse called Mind's Eye at Leopard Center Christmas but that was over two and a half and again if he wants to race back he comes there seemingly travelling very well just flattens out a little bit close home but knowing Robert Tyner he's a very good target trainer I would imagine he probably already had one eye on this race when going to Leopard Center Christmas and that's mm. not to say Henry de Bromhead didn't with Mind's Eye as well but yeah. I just feel with a six pound pull at the weights back down to two miles I don't think it'll be a problem for Midnight Stroll he's he would definitely be top of my shortlist of maybe three or four for this. Okay, Philip Enright in the saddle on Midnight Stroll. Now, Kevin Blake, I spy with my little eye something beginning with D. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> a horse that we really should have, like Final Furlong, but we need to get the Final Furlong podcast hoodie sorted, by the way, and the Final Furlong po- podcast t-shirts. And one of them is definitely going to have Kevin Blake's face looking puzzled with the name escapes me as the caption <laughs> underneath it. Uh, so he, he tried chasing. Nope. Back to hurdles. Is this the plot job, Kevin? Is this where we make the money? Because he's 33s. Ah, prob- Look, he, he's been a plot job for this for a couple of years and it hasn't worked out. You know, I, I feel that two miles is his trip, uh, but it, the, the wheels have come off a little bit. So I, I couldn't keep the fate here, which, you know, it's going to happen now, but I, I couldn't keep the fate. Um, Funny enough, Tony Keenan also likes Midnight Stroll. He put him up. Okay. Um, and I think I think Tony and Gary might be on the right track, but the right race, the wrong horse, ah. as, uh, as Rory Delargy famously said. So, who, so um, who, who is going to win then the prestigious, formerly known as Pierce Hurdle, now Coral Hurdle? Well, I can absolutely see the case with Midnight Stroll, definitely. Um, he's pacey enough for this job, I think. Uh, I think he was ridden for, almost certainly with a view to this day in mind. Um, he he travelled very well and finished off steadily without being given a hard time, but um, you know for all the the the, the, the turnaround of the weights, you know I'd go with Mind's Eye. I'd go with Mind's Eye to uphold the form. I was impressed with him. Now I watched it again, and they were never going quick enough for him over two and a half. You know he was half running away the whole way, and uh, I was very happy with his jumping. He travelled, and when he briefly got tightened up at the top of the straight, but. It was all hands and heels. The, the whip was never needed with him. His ears were pricking. I thought he'd loads in the tank. Um, he won easily. I thought that an eight-pound rise was very fair. Um, Henry, you know, said afterwards, and he said it again during the week to me, that, you know, they were going into the race, they were worried that he might be too fast for two and a half. So the drop back to two isn't, isn't concerning me all that much. And, um, yeah, like he, look, he's a 10-to-1 shot. He'll probably be second fav or something like that. But... Um, he's the one I like I, I quite fancy him okay uh, I am looking here at uh, a couple of bookmakers and if they want us to give us a, a mention if they want us to give them a mention I should say if uh, producer D can help me use my mouth words correctly there's a few here who are going six places so I- again we'll take cash and give you a mention if you want but I think I'm going to have to get stuck into the name escapes me because I'd actually cry if you went oh on one. I would <laughs> cry. Uh, Midnight Strolls are on for Gary and uh, Kevin has made a very convincing case as well. Right. Um, there's two horses that are really fascinating to me in the final race of the day. Uh, I interviewed Joseph O'Brien for the Matchbook Betting Podcast um, in December. Uh, it was an extensive interview. If you go to the Matchbook Betting Podcast SoundCloud page, it's the first one there. We have it pinned. And uh, he talks very openly and talks about his life in, in general, really. Uh, it's a, he's, he's a class act. There you go, Kevin. Ching, ching. There you go, Kevin. <laughs> but one of the horses that he mentioned when I was asking him 
Come on, so Joseph, give us a horse to that c that could shine for you this season. Who are you most looking forward to at Cheltenham? And he mentioned Rhinestone. And the conflict of interest that we have is that good friend of the podcast, Jamie Codd, who um, has had a terrible week, and our thoughts and prayers go out to him and uh, our sympathies to him. But he was talking up Rapid Escape at the start of the season, who has very much lived up to that potential, Kevin. Um, so, given that you're closely associated to the yard, it would be remiss of me not to ask you, how good is Rhinestone, and what are you expecting at the weekend? Um, well, he's as probably as good a bumper horse as there is in the yard. Um, if there's a Cheltenham bumper horse, it's him. But um, he's got to go and show it now. You know, bumper horses, you just don't know until you run them. Uh, he was he ran well the first day. Things didn't go right. It was a steadily run out race, just three runners. And he went to Thurlis and he was brilliant. Um, he was up against the horse of Willie Mullins, was there in Sancta Simona, Philly that if you're inclined to listen to Racecourse Rumour, they felt that she was as good as anything they had. And she probably hasn't run her race now, but he's absolutely smashed her by, by 19 lengths, um, quickened up well. And the one thing I'd say that could be in his favour here is he's, he's by Montju. Um, he would have spent time in Ballydoyle. He's not as, inex as inexperienced as his form might suggest. And he's up against... His, his main rivals here have come from the point-to-point -point fields hmm. and would, would be different types. And... While the likes of Rapid Escape and, uh, and Black Bow in particular look very nice, um, I'd be hopeful. And it's not a confidence shout because, like I say, you just don't know what bumpers. If there's a day for Rhinestone that, that his, his pace might be a factor, I think it could potentially be this day. And I'd be hopeful he'll go and run a big one and, and book his place for Cheltenham all the way. We know, of course, that Michael O'Leary just hates the champion bumper at Cheltenham, but it's fascinating to me that Rhinestone's the shortest 12-1 to 1 with some bookmakers, and yet he's a 5-1 to 1 shot against Rapid Escape. So I, I think that, in a sense, gives you an idea of the reputation the horse has, um, both on and off the course. Gary, Rapid Escape has looked very impressive. Um, Jamie Codd gave him a, a very favorable mention on the podcast at the start of the season. But again, as, as uh, Kevin has just outlined, there's a lot of talk about Rhinestone as well. Uh, and we've got Black Bow in the mix too. It's a fascinating race this to round off Saturday. Oh, it's a super race, Emmett. Yeah, the one disappointment is maybe the holographic isn't in there. Yeah. Woody Mullins, yeah. I think, mentioned that he thought he was his best bumper horse. But I don't think he was even actually entered at the five-day stage. So maybe, maybe there has been a change of plan or something up there. But every other good bumper horse that you've seen over the last few weeks just about is in there. And I'd be a huge fan of Rapid Escape. I think he's a lovely, lovely horse. But Kevin's point is a good one that Rhinestone's a racier type. He's a flatbread horse. Rapid Escape's very much a chasing type. And the fact that Jiggenstown don't like the Cheltenham bumper, I think it's very much a feather in the cap for this race because they're prepared to run a few of their nice horses here. And I think Gordon Elliott's actually said this is likely to be Rapid Escape's final run of the season. So mm. that just gives you an idea of the regard they hold. I mean, they're kind of going along similar lines to what they did with the likes of Don Cossack and Jack Judy in, re in recent times, that they're mm. going to mind them for the future. And Sam Crow, obviously, as well. Uh, smashing horse, um, one for the future, but I couldn't couldn't back him at five to four just for those particular reasons. Just you'd worry that maybe something like Rhinestone might maybe be a little bit too pacey for him. There are definitely going to be exciting horses for the future, no matter what happens on Saturday, and are surely wants to have in your at the races tracker. Right, let's move on to day two of the Dublin Racing Festival. I will miss the twelve forty. Oh no, uh, it is the Irish Stallion Forums. Shall we try that again? The Irish Stallion Farms. Forms, Forms yeah. <laughs> 
Did you did you hear about that? It's a new company, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> Irish Stallion Farms, EBF, Paddy Mullins, Mare's Handicap Hurdle over two mile two. And uh, Gary Bryan, Bell is out here. What's going to win? Um, well, if you listen to the chat, I think <laughs> contingency, there's been a lot of talk, I think, about this in the run-up to the race. Seemingly, the Mullins camp are very confident that she's on a nice mark. I'm at 1-2-1. She's won two races at Tremor and Galway. And we saw... Obviously, with Lorena last weekend, Winnie Mullins is not afraid to run a good horse at mm-hmm. Tremor. He won her maiden there back in August time, followed up at Goy. The bare form doesn't look anything special, but you'd just be maybe a little bit wary about opposing her given the confidence in the yard. I'll give you one I think will run well. I haven't gone through this race in great detail, but I think just Janice would have needed the run probably at Fairy House the other day after a few months on the sideline. She won a... I think it was a listed or maybe a grade three at Dan Royal in November. And she didn't actually get too much of a hit in the handicap for that. She only went up five pounds to 130. And Davy Russell's on board on Sunday. I could see her running well there for John Kiley and the Flins. Yeah, Gary's line broke up there, by the way. What he was actually saying was that he's done intensive research into this uh, Sunday card and <laughs> has some brilliant <laughs> exactly. <picks> for you. <laughs> uh, Kevin, um, you've been studying all day long as well. Is contingency the one for you? Uh, likely to be very hard to beat. There's a fair few exposed mares in here now, and I just think they'll be vulnerable to the likes of contingency. Um, Ellie Mack is another interesting one. Um, sprung a big surprise when winning here at Leopard, winning at Leopardstown over Christmas, fifty to one shot, but was good. You know, if you didn't know she was fifty to one, it was certainly a fair and square win. Mm. And uh, one eight one eighteen uh, for an initial mark might be fair enough. Um, so I'd probably lean towards her now, but this this would not this would be probably the race I would have the least amount of interest in over the weekend. Okay, uh, let's move on to a race that has become hugely important when it comes to the Cheltenham Festival, the Spring Juvenile Hurdle, where Espor Dal, try that again, Espor Dalan uh, will be a very <laughs> short price favourite. I'm really disappointed that the Mullins mare has been taken out. I wrote an article for at the races um, for the Dublin Racing Festival, which was nice of the lads to ask me to be part of it, and um, I talked up the uh, the Mullins mare. I thought she'd be very interesting. Who, whose name you can't remember? <laughs> <laughs> Stormy Ireland. Like, why, Kevin? Like, I hadn't even had the chance to say it yet. Like, of course I knew yeah, the yeah, name yeah. of the horse. Of course I knew the name of Jared Sullivan's horse. You never let me say it. Anyway, uh, it does mean that uh, Espoir Dallant will be a very short price favourite here. Um, and really, Kevin, I know you've talked on the podcast before about the fact that the pace of some of the races that he's been in have hasn't been satisfactory. But if he puts up a big performance at the weekend, then we might finally see a horse that can emerge as a proper contender to Apple Shakira. Yeah, but look, he's priced accordingly. He, he's four from four. Um, last time, not everyone was blown away by him. I thought it was certainly the best he's jumped. Um, through a race I thought he was quite good that way but again it was a steadily run affair um, and that type of race seems to suit him he's got plenty of pace and you know I'd take him on I'd take him on with far class oh. I thought he I thought he ran a lovely race in behind him he was only beaten um, a length and a quarter uh, he jumped solidly it was his hurdling debut um, I thought very much ridden to be educated and to come on and, and I just thought it was a lovely run I think soft ground would, would suit and he doesn't have a lot of ground to make up, and he has loads of scope to improve. Um, so I favour him. Okay. Uh, by Jukebox Jury, Jack Kennedy in the saddle for Gordon Elliott. Um, Gary, your thoughts on the Spring Juvenile Hurdle? Yeah, the day of that race at Christmas, Emmett, I, like Kevin, I thought Farkland made a really good impression. And 
the vibes from the Elliott camp were that he wasn't fully wound up and they were just hoping for a good run and something to build on and they got it. And I think there's a fair bit of confidence that he's going to really test us by the land this weekend. But I must admit, I watched the race back again the other day and again in the interim. I thought actually now that I've seen it a few times, Espar de Land beat him with a fair bit up his sleeve. And the way the market is going, and I think come the off, these two could actually get a fair bit closer together. I think Farclaw will continue to contract and Espar de Land might drift out. And if that happens, I wouldn't put anybody off having a few quid on Espar de Land. He's better off at the weight. I think he's got three pounds of a pull mm. for that race, no penalties this time. And I just I think he's got a lovely way of going this horse. He probably hasn't had the type of race that would show him off the best effect as yet. Um hopefully there'll be a bit of pace in the race on Sunday. And I would certainly wouldn't rely on Mr. Adjudicator either. His form is working out pretty well. But I just think Aspire the Len has that bit of star quality. Farclab possibly he's by a stayer jukebox jury on the flat. I think he might come into his own over a little bit further in time. But Aspire the Len, he's done everything right so far and I think yeah. he might be able to keep the winning run going there. It, it's a great race in its own right, and as I said earlier, it's it's become a race that's of huge significance and huge importance as a trial for the Triumph Hurdle at the Cheltenham Festival, but I have to ask you, despite the fact that this is going to be a cracking race, um, if Espor Dalan goes and does what you expect him to, JP and and uh, Frank, Frank, Frank Perry is going to have a bit of a, bit of a decision to make, you know, a bit of a decision to make, there are no lads. Is there a chance, do you think, that they could go for the Supreme Novices Hurdle with one of these horses? That maybe Apple Shakira, with the weight allowance and the Triumph, they'll go with that, but that Espoir Dalan could be transferred to the Supreme, uh, similar to Binocular a few years ago? I suppose there's a chance, but I think if this horse wins on Sunday, I, mean, I think the two of them will run in the Triumph. And you go back to last year, Duffy Desoy and Charlie Parks both ran in it, and they were yeah. being, there was talk maybe in the run up to race, one of them could have gone elsewhere. But obviously, both both trainers, I would imagine, Nicky Henderson is obviously going to want to run the filly, and I would imagine Gavin Cromwell will be very keen to run his if he does win on Sunday. If he were to get beat on Sunday, maybe then there might be a case to be made for him. If he can't be the best of ours, why would you expect him maybe to win a triumph and possibly look at the supreme of the way to lance, or even maybe keep him for one of the, the likes of Ferry House or Punchestown or even Aintree? But I'm pretty optimistic this horse will get the job done on Sunday and book his ticket for the Triumph. Okay, uh, so very much in the favourites camp there and uh, definitely a horse to be excited about for Cheltenham if he can get it done in a significant trial uh, for the Triumph Hurdle, uh, a significant trial for Cheltenham as well, is the Deloitte Novice Hurdle Grade 1, which is a very prestigious race in its own right and is worth a small fortune and it's attracted the mighty Sam Crow. Now if you're going to be videoing Kevin Blake when his reaction uh, to York Hill as he comes into the winner's enclosure uh, live on ATR, then maybe you should be seeking out Johnny Ward as well because he's going to be a bag of nerves about this horse. He has been talking him up, and I'm almost certain, Gary, that the day the interview went out on At The Races with Matt Chapman with Michael Leary when he was asking him about Sam Crow, and he said, oh, this is not the second coming. You know, he's not, you know, he's, he's a good horse, but he's not a great horse. And if he, he might win at Cheltenham, maybe, but he's a long way to go. I'm almost certain that was directed singly at Johnny Ward for all the talking <laughs> up he's been doing about <laughs> Sam Crow. I wouldn't be surprised. I guarantee you it was. So the son of Germany drops to two miles. Obviously, this race, as Kevin has alluded to, has been uh, switched from the old two mile two to two miles. Um, the first question for you is, are you surprised that they've decided to drop him in trip? And does he deserve to be as short a price favourite as he is, Gary? Well, on the first point, I think I can understand the move. As I say, if they'd run him in the longer race, 
that would have left Dortmund Park, I would imagine, on the sidelines, and they wouldn't really have had. Trainwreck's a nice horse and won very well last time, but he's a 25 to 1 shot, I think, for the race on Sunday. So that just gives you an idea that he looks up against it. Whereas doing this, maybe also the fact that over two miles, Samco mightn't be subjected to as tough a race might have come into it. But I think it's a sensible move in terms of maximizing your chances of winning both races. Do I think he deserves to be as short as he is? No, I don't, to be honest, Emma. I think the reputation this horse has already been built into it. Mike, Michael O'Leary is always one to be playing down his horses and mm. let them do their talking on the track rather than before they contest these races. But I think while he's won very well, no disrespect to the likes of the horses he beat last time, Jets and Delta Work, he's taking on a much better caliber of rival. He's taking on two horses that were going to dominate a grade one here at Christmas over this trip. So it's a little bit, I think, a little bit disrespectful to them maybe to suggest that he should be such a short price against them. But he's just built up this huge fan club already. And it's nothing nothing against Sam Crow. I love the horse just as much as anyone else. And he does everything right. And I think he probably will win on Sunday. But he's priced up a little bit still on reputation, I think, as well as, well as what he's actually done. I quite like Sharjah to beat him. Maybe I'm completely off my head and the back painkillers have, have made me go insane. But he'd have won at Christmas. Yeah, there there you go. Another one for a final furlong bingo. I haven't <laughs> mentioned painkillers. Has he got a swear jar or something on the go for when he comes out? Oh, we, we have so many things. <laughs> we haven't even... I can't believe we've gone 57 minutes and no one's mentioned Armadillo. It's it's amazing we've, we've gone that we've gone that far. That's gone out of control, by the way, out of control. Someone's <laughs> definitely going to be there's going to be at least fifty five people in armadillo suits at the Cheltenham Festival um, for sure. Sharjah uh, would have won though at, at Christmas time, wouldn't he? Like he just he seemed to be traveling so well under Patrick, and I still can't quite figure out what went wrong at that final hurdle. Um, I think he probably would have won, um, and yeah, it's a tough one to really put your finger on why the two horses came down as they did independently. Maybe Real Steel, in fairness, had been kind of driven along for a while and mm. wouldn't necessarily been the greatest shock that Paul Townend was asking him for a big jump at the last and he came down. But the other side of it then is it's a strange thing on Sunday to see the jockeys the other way around this time. Patrick Mullins is on Real Steel and Paul Townend's on Charger. So they've obviously both had a close look back at the tape and Charger would appear to be the number one this time. But... It's a surprise to see quite so much between the two of those in the betting, given that there wouldn't have been a huge amount in it on the day. And obviously everybody seems to feel that Whiskey Sour was a fluke winner, given the price he is as well. That was a hard race to make any sense of on the mm. day. And I'm still not much the wiser after it, to be honest. Real Steel is 20 to 1, Kevin. I'm not sure if he should be that big a price when, when you can get on with three places. Um, let's bring you in here and get your thoughts on this. So Sam Crow, Johnny Ward's favourite horse of all time ever, wins the champion hurdle for the next 17 years, according to him, um, <laughs> and, and a Gold Cup in the same week. Dropping back to two miles, <laughs> like with a view to, first of all, at the weekend, let's deal with this. Um, as Gary said, I would be of the opinion that his, his price is based more on reputation than, than anything else, and that possibly we can take him on. I would favour Richard on that regard. Uh, how do you approach the race? Um, first of all, I wouldn't be concerned at all about dropping back to two miles. Um, Sam Crow has always looked pacey to me. To be honest, when he went up to two and a half last time, I was worried he might be vulnerable at the longer trip. So I'm definitely happier to see him over two miles than two miles six. And um, I don't think it'll, it will hold him back at all. Um, hasn't had a, a perfect preparation, you'd have to say. He missed a couple of intended engagements, but... Um, I'm sure Gordon will have him in top order and he'll be hard beaten. Um, like Gary says, the future champions was a funny race. 
uh, I came away from it really scratching my head. I went back to it the following day and started breaking it down in sectional terms. And I, and I think I know what happened. Um, I think a couple of the jockeys got a bit carried away on when they turned down into the back straight and they went very hard in the middle part of the race. And it was at that stage that Real, that Real Steel was, was totally outpaced. Um, and basically, if the, a few of those that were up in the van um, were, were done with in a big way late on. Real Steel, you could say, oh, maybe he was advantaged by, by backing out of it when he did. But the thing, the thing was, if you watch it, Paul then put him into the race quite quickly and made up a lot of ground very quickly up to two out. Um, so I think you could you could probably mark him up a little bit, and Charger you could probably mark up a little bit because he was bang up there in the in the hottest part of the race and was even racing a little bit freely into that pace. Yeah. Um, so you can mark him up as well. So th- uh, I think I know what happened, but <laughs> finding the right conclusion is the, is the thing. I took Charger was the one I was going to take out of it. You know, all that rigmarole and you come out with the same conclusion that most most other people have. But um, I, I was impressed with Charger that day. I thought he jumped well. Um, and I'd be delighted to see him here. I'd be worried. I, he wanted to set the lip better because he was still taking a bit of a hold despite the mid-race pace being very strong um, in the future champions. So that's a slight concern for him. Look, I think Sam Crow wins. Um, I'd like to see Sharjah put up a big performance, but um, I, I, while I'm not quite as strong in him as one Jay Ward, um, I do like the horse. I think two miles will suit him and he'll be very hard bet. Yeah. What do you think of Duke de Geneva, Kevin? Sorry to interrupt him. It would... He's an interesting one as well, isn't he? Because Willie was talking about maybe trying him in the longer race, and I don't think he actually was entered for the longer race, but he kind of caught my eye that day at Nace when he finished third, and I see Noel Feely's riding him as well. Mm. Yeah, he's, he's very interesting now, because like you say, Willie was giving out mixed messages about where he might go next after that, but he would have he would have caught the eye travelling well in you know what was a, a steadily run race. He was dropped in. Uh, and he, I was, I liked his jumping. I thought he jumped well. He travelled great. He wasn't beaten up. Uh, he travelled well enough to suggest that the shorter trip would suit. Um, but yeah, he's interesting. He was a very, he was certainly was a very big price. I assume he's still a very big price. Uh, he shortened up a little bit. I see. I think he was twenty five. Tony Keenan tipped him actually, if I if I remember rightly. Um, he's sixteen to one now. I could see him run away, absolutely. But I wonder will they ride him a bit quietly again and look to pick up pieces again. Um, but he's definitely interesting, but he, he wasn't tip-top of my list now. Well, William Mullins has won this race for the last five years, and he hasn't been afraid to uh, lump in multiple contenders in, in recent years as well. So it's no surprise that he's throwing quite a few at this, uh, and it's going to be a fascinating renewal. Sam Crow will have his fans, but it's a uh, charge off me that Duke de, Duke de Javon, my French has just gone to pieces altogether. <laughs> We might as well do shit. Gone to pieces? You never had it. I, I actually I got an A in French. Uh, do you know what? I'm going to have to get Siri to just start doing the French reading for us from now on. Just yes. Or else or else producer D will have to do it instead. It's ridiculous. But um, that's a good shout, Gary. He was really interesting that day and uh, definitely a horse for the At The Races tracker. Right, as we move on to a handicap hurdle, it's 225. Uh, Total Recall um, is the favorite for this. So back over hurdles... The Grand National is obviously the, the long-term target for this horse. Um, I thought he was terrific in, we'll always know it as the Hennessy, so let's just continue to call it that, shall we? That uh, stuff is the Labrox Trophy. It's, it's the, it, <laughs> it'll always, money, use the name. It will always be the Hennessy. It'll always be the Hennessy to <laughs> us. Um, and justice, sweet, sweet justice, as Kevin Blake would say, as finally William Mullins got his hands uh, on that trophy. Uh, over hurdles at the weekend, he's going to be a short price favourite. How do you assess him, Gary? Well, it looks a really good move, doesn't it? 
bringing them back to hurdles because if the Grand Nationals, their aim, they obviously want to keep their powder dry as far as fences are concerned. This is something you see a fair bit that horses won't run over fences until the weights come out. So he's actually won off a, just a two-pound lower mark when Sandra Hughes had him. So he's proven that he can be competitive off this sort of distance, off this sort of rating. And there's not a lot to like uh, not a lot, not a lot, not to like about his chance apart from the price. I think really, which mm. has collapsed in the last few days, he looks the standout horse. Flawless escapes a horse I like. He's coming into this on the back of a win in the maiden at Christmas. Doesn't look on a bad mark, and I think the extra journey will help. But the one I was really looking forward to seeing take on Total Recall doesn't run Emmett. That was David's charm. Yeah, was Kevin obviously likes as well, and yeah. I know he was very sweet. And when he won at Ferry House that day, we were working that day for ATR, but. He looked to me as though he could be even better stepped up to this sort of trip, but they've given this one a swerve for whatever reason. So that'll make it a little bit easier for the favourite. All right, Kevin, your thoughts on the race? Yeah, look, total recall. The case is there, I suppose. He's he operated to a decent level. He won a few times over hurdles for Sandra Hughes. And there's obvious scope for him to be a little bit better over this longer trip. And given that he's taken such big steps forward over longer trips for Willie, 31 pounds lower over hurdles. Um, he's not a fav. I'd be bullying to take on now and to be honest I haven't done haven't quite got the chance to do this race in as much detail but I'm about halfway through and there was there was nothing there was nothing in the first half that really jumped out at me now so <laughs> I, I don't think I'll be having too much of a bullish opinion on this but you'll get the, the, the thoughts in full live and at the races on Sunday when I finish my prep <laughs> if you can't make it to Leopardstown make sure you're tuning in to Kevin Blake uh, who will have somehow recovered by that time from the York Hill madness and he'll give you all the uh, all the thoughts to Gary with the excellent coverage and at the races on Sunday afternoon. The 3 o'clock is a, another a very prestigious race in its own right for Leopardstown, uh, but again, a hugely significant one for Cheltenham. Sorry, lads, but Cheltenham just consumes already, doesn't it? Uh, Sutton Place favourite, Monolee, who Kevin Blake is, we know is a huge fan of, and a horse that I absolutely love, invitation only, who really has come into his own. Um, he's had a big reputation for a very long time, Gary, uh, when he made his, his debut in a bumper just before the Cheltenham Festival a couple of years ago. He then went on to win at Punchestown under Patrick. Patrick was effusive in praise for him then. Didn't work out for him over hurdles. Um, a novice mistake in his first time out of offences, but the last two races, he has looked to be the horse that the Mullins camp and the Graham, Wiley, Graham and Andrew Wiley thought he could be. Um, and, and in my eyes, he's this, this is his ideal trip. And I think he's grade one class. I, I think he's really exciting. How do you assess the race? It's a hell of a race, isn't it? I mean, I've been really impressed by Invitation only like you in his last couple of runs. He's beaten some good horses. And last time out, he jumped really well, I thought, at Punchestown. Mm. That was the hallmark of that performance. The storyteller was well fancied against him. He just made a mistake when the taps were being turned on. But I think that was just the pace and, you know, the gallop and the way Invitation only was jumping. But this is such a good race, isn't it? I mean, you look at Album photo, Dunacos has won his last two. Mona Lee, we all know how talented he is. Snow Falcon could be a Cheltenham horse as well. And the one, I think, as in terms of pure talent, and it would be a marginal call because Mona Lee, I think, is a very talented horse as well. But I think Sutton Place is the most talented of all of these, Edmonton. He's the one I'd probably just about row in with. Because he has quite a tall reputation, you wouldn't necessarily say he's going to be much in the way of value. He's only won a beginner's chase, but he did at least beat a good horse that day, Kenboy, and Kenboy himself came out and won, again, won himself next time out. So the form is reasonable, I think. And this will be a big test for him if he can come through this with flying colours. I think 
the sky could be the limit for Sutton Place. I've thought for a while. They've, they've kind of been very cautious with him all along. He's missed a few runs with the way the ground conditions were and, and various different little things. But I don't think there'll be any excuse on Sunday. He looks as though he could be the number one for Gordon Elliott here. And I'm hoping that he might be able to just about prevail but it's a it's a terrific race yeah, one of the races of the weekend absolutely yeah it's such an open and exciting race as well and it's gonna if, if everything runs to form and gets over their fences it's gonna uh solve a few puzzles for us as well and, and give us an indication as to where these horses are going to go in the future they're really exciting uh it's barry garrity has been very effusive in his praise of sutton place in the past as has gordon elliott and he's a horse that you've talked about many times as well Kevin, it's understandable why he's favoured. I thought that point that Gary made there about how they've been very selective with the races they've gone for with them is a really interesting one. He's clearly a horse that they felt is is a long-term project and, and a horse that could be a bit special. But he's taken on a really strong field here. He is, as Gary says, just a fabulous race. And to be honest, looks up the place, big fan of from last season. I have to be honest, there wasn't... I wasn't upset about it, but I wasn't blown away with his jumping technique last time. He was more solid than anything else. He was a little bit slow in the air at a couple. Um, and, and that just just because this is such a good race, that, that's just enough to, to put me off him a little bit. Of course, he could be better here with that experience under him. But based on the evidence we have right now, I just that would be enough to put me off him when he's been chalked up as fav. Um, Monoly loved his chasing debut. Absolutely loved it. Beautiful technique. Everything was going smooth. And last time at Leopardstown, he was jumping great again. On under, like he made all on his chasing debut. They dropped him in a little bit last time, but he was still jumping just as well. And then from absolutely out of nowhere, bang, falls and gets a good boot as well on the other side of it as well. Mm. Um, so you you couldn't consider that an ideal preparation. And while I'd love to see him bounce back, I, I couldn't uh, I couldn't encourage people to to invest in that prospect. Um, invitation only of, of nothing against. He was very good last time. I thought very strong in the run in. His jumping was, was good and solid. Um, Al Boom Photo, I was loving what he was doing last time at Limerick. Um, he jumped his way to the front. I liked his technique. I thought he was going to bolt up. Um, and then he fell. Took a dirt, took, took a, a, an annoying, novice sort of a fall. I'd probably favour him, you know, at the prices. Just about uh, would be Al Boom Photo. Um, I, I wouldn't like to completely rule out Bon Papa. I think it, the shorter trip will suit him, but I think... I think that's a very good to, shout. I think it's a very, I think very good shout. I think, I, I think he'll probably want even shorter, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I, I don't... I wouldn't be a fan of this three mile. They, they've tried him at three miles a few times now, and uh, I think he, he might even want shorter than two mile five, but mm. um, album photo would be the selection, now, and hopefully there's no... There's no... Um, you know, last time you... you it was nothing... It wasn't anything like... Um, Monolith's fall in terms of potential to, to leave a mark on him, but hopefully he bounces back from that fine because I really like the way he was doing it at Limerick. And uh, I'd be hopeful he, he'd compete here in this much, much better race. He's one of the horses at the William Mullins yard that just kind of gets overlooked, isn't he? That, like He has really good form in the book. He's put in some visually, aesthetically pleasing performances, and yet he doesn't really get that recognition, maybe because he doesn't carry the pink silks or the, or the black and... and Orangey silks of, of Graham Wiley. He just, he just <laughs> orangey. Orangey. What do you call them? Black and gold. I assume it's beige. Black and gold. We'll go with black and gold. I'm going to go beige as well. Yeah. All right, okay. Beige, beige, beige. Or, orangey. This is, this is like that dress thing all over again, isn't it? Is it blue? Is yeah. it gold? What, what is it? Um, there we have his new nickname, Orangey Wiley. Orangey Wiley. Oh, do, do not call him that. You, we want him back on the show and, and soon. Uh, God almighty. So, um, 
But he, he doesn't really get that recognition he deserves, doesn't he? He just kind of gets overlooked. Ah, he does, but, you know, such is life. If he wins this, they won't be able to overlook him for too much longer. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's going to be a fascinating race, that one, and a very informative one as well. Now, the feature race is the Unibet Irish Gold Cup. It's off at 3.35, live on At The Races, and this is where we will finally get to see the real... <laughs> Jackadam, <laughs> Patrick Mullins, oh, the right man for the job. It's an absolute lump on job. Have whatever you want on. <laughs> Sit back, relax, and watch this superstar get his grade one. He's going to win, and I'm going to be thrilled. <laughs> Kevin, take it away. Oh, stop. No, I can't see it myself now, but I, I wish you the very best. <laughs> Uh, I think he the last time was just horrendous and uh, nothing really emerged. And yeah, not good. He's a horse. He's a horse that's been to the well many times. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't be even at ten to one now. Which the market is compensating you for that terrible run last time, but still wouldn't do it for me. Um, our Duke again, like he was so good last season, and he's coming into this after surgery for for kissing spine. Um, after a truly horrendous comeback uh, at Down Royal. Um, you're putting your faith in Jessica Harrington there and I can see why he's fav but I, I wish them luck and just watch him um, Annabelle Fly I think is interesting he's he's one of the few that's coming in here and on a real upward curve um, was deadly in the Paddy Power chase we talked about it at the time and now that now that the time for messing is over and they're kicking on <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he could find another bit of improvement he, he was impressive now of, of a big rating in the Paddy Power and I could definitely see him getting in the mix. And of those that have been there and done it, and we thought Valser Lido shaped well in his comeback in the, the Leopardstown Christmas chase. Um, he was put in at a slightly bigger price. I think it might be 8 or 10 to 1 now. But he was only beaten 14 lengths now and seemed to be... He was ridden a bit more conservatively than he, off, than he often was at his peak. And he wasn't given a hard time. So if there was one that was going to step up, uh, I, I could see Valser Lido running a big race too. Okay. Uh, some interesting thoughts from Kevin. Gary, for you, the your ideal winner of the uh, feature race on Sunday, the Unibet Irish Gold Cup. I'm sticking with Jack at Am. Well, I, w I'm, I wish you well, Em, and I hope he runs well. I'd love to see him at, at the very <laughs> least lead the run. Behind, I'm not, I don't mean that in a patronising way. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, I'd love to see him leave that run at Christmas behind him, but I think I'd be more inclined to concentrate on the younger well I say younger generation I was going to say Kalon Vic, but he's nine now Annabelle Fly who's eight and our Duke who's eight I think there are three horses who between them could be an awful, an awful lot better than we've seen from them already and they've already achieved a fair bit um, they've all got doubts about them Annabelle Fly I suppose less so because at least he won last time but it was a handicap off of Mark in the 140s Kalon Vic, you're going back over fences with him after he, he jumped terribly in that hurdle race at Punchestown and our Dukes obviously had the physical issues since the run at Down Royal but I go back to the start of the season and you know at that stage people ask you oh, what do you fancy what what could be a Gold Cup horse for this season and neck on the block at that stage I thought our Duke was the one based on what I'd seen last season that could perhaps be the one to be on for the Gold Cup route this time around and I hope he can bounce back and leave the Down Royal run behind it, it it's not really a betting proposition, I don't think. He's only about three to one, and he's got to go out there and prove it on Sunday. But I think neck on the buck, Arjuk would 
just about shaving. It's amazing that the champion hurdle was such an exciting race at the start of the season, that the Gold Cup was such an exciting race at the start of the season, and to a certain extent, they've both fallen apart. And we really do need our Duke or the mighty Jack Adam uh, to, to <laughs> properly perform here uh, in order to, to reignite that excitement because Mightbite is obviously dominating the market, Sizing John's coming into it on the back of a hugely disappointing run uh, at Christmas time, and he's going to go there fresh, so we're guessing with him. Um, so we do need to see a big performance from, from our Duke, and they do seem to be making the right noises about him, which is good to hear. The thoughts on Kilaltevik, though, that, that you mentioned, um, and him being one of the younger generation, even though he is nine. The talk at the start of the season was, Gary, that he was going to go hunter-chasing, and then that got switched, and he ended up back with, with Willie Mullins. Uh, he, he did what he did last time over hurdles. The fact that they were even considering going hunter-chasing with him and have decided to actually stick down this route of, of grade one company, does that suggest that when they worked him, they realized, oh, hang on, this horse has still got his ability and we can win something with him? Or would it be a, a real negative for you that that was even in their minds? Um, it's a good question. I, I would have thought initially it would have been a negative, but presumably Colin McBratney it was who had the horse. He was mm. pre-training him, and I think the idea was that he was going to train him to go down the point-to-point route if he didn't show a little bit of sparkle in the pre-training. But not that he'd be pushing too many buttons with him at that stage, but... The fact that Colin was happy enough and bullish enough with him to send him back to Willie and recommend that he did go back into training, I think I would take that as a positive. And you look at that race at Punchestown last time, I know it was one he was probably entitled to win. He was well treated by the conditions. He was a short post favourite, but he hit just about every hurdle on the way around that yeah. day and still won, beat a good horse next Patriot by, I think, two and a half lengths or so. Admittedly, he's been beaten the odd time since then. Diamond King's a little bit in and out as well. But I just thought that really emphasized to me that the engine must still be there for him to jump as badly as he did that day and still be able to win pretty cozily over two and a half. And I think he might even be better over three suggests that the old engine is very much intact. And I think it's a good move going back over fences. You probably have more respect for fences, but he will need to jump an awful lot better. I just think talent-wise, potential-wise, and in terms of maybe being even better than we've seen, quite a lot of these, you've got a fair handle on them there. We know how good they are. The likes of Outlander, Valsalido, maybe not quite as much. Alfred is a bow. Those type of horses, you, you know where you are with them. But I think Kilultavik and Air Duke still could fly a bit higher than we've seen from them so far. And it's got to be significant that Paul Townend has chosen to write him over Jacket then. You would imagine so. I think he's, he's going with potential there over, mm. over Jacket and Bear in mind that Jacket, I'm disappointed last time. It, they don't always get it right. It's a great ride for Patrick Mullins to have. I'm sure oh, he's fantastic. going to be really, yeah, really no. looking forward to that. Um, but I, I can fully understand the decision. Well, I'm going to be the. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be a nice warm up for Patrick to get used to him for the for the Hunter Chase circuit next season. <laughs> you shut up, you. I'm he's gonna... the one who's going to go Hunter Chase. <laughs> I'm going to be the first one into the winners' enclosure, high five, and Patrick Mullins after he's made us an absolute fortune in in that race. He's way <laughs> too big a price. It's an insult, is what it is. An absolute disgrace. Right, the 410 is a fascinating handicap chase. Uh, I have put one up on the at the races website at a huge price swinging for the fences here uh, with Queely's horse Uncle Danny maybe I've lost my mind but there's a few old favourites in here uh, we'll get to see Cause of Causes in action the absolute stone cold banker of Cheltenham in the cross country chase uh, he is going to be top weight for Mark Walsh a polydam is a horse that I've, I'm a huge fan of Gary um, don't really know what went wrong 
the last day, maybe he was just one of those horses that from the Mullins camp didn't perform. Maybe he didn't fully stay. Uh, but he's back to two mile five. He's high profile in the market. Um, what are your thoughts on a very, very competitive and very valuable handicap chase at 10 past four on at the races? That's it. I mean, Polydam, I think at one stage he was heading for the Thayestes chase and they opted to miss it with him. And there's yeah. two or three others in this I think could have gone down that road as well. Uh, Joseph's horse there, Yomar Van, one of those. I think they opted to wait for this with him as well. He ran very well in the Paddy Power, I thought, as well. Bearing in mind he'd been off the track for a long time and it was his first run over here. And Joseph's other runner as well, I think Land of Hope and Glory is an interesting one. Fair enough, he didn't run great at Christmas time, but it was his first go in a handicap. He'd been off a few months. I wouldn't hold that necessarily against him too much. And he's well below his hurdle mark, albeit he's only a five-year-old taking on older horses. Again, it's the type of race I'd be maybe looking to some of the less exposed ones to get the better of your polydams and Arbor de V's and, and so forth. I know Noel Mead actually was reading the other day thinks that Apache Stronghold could be on a nice mark, but he's just been a little bit disappointing since he came back from injury. I'd be quite interested in, in Land of Hope and Glory down at the bottom end. I think he's just about the one I'd be leaning towards here although if there was a bit of market support that would maybe heighten confidence somewhat well let's see if we can get some support from from kevin blake who might be responsible for him running here land of hope and glory down the bottom kevin and right in the saddle what can you tell us i might just be a bit worried now he was disappointing the last day um his jumping didn't really hold up to the test of a, of a bigger field you know he generally been operating in, in small field novices and um, I thought he did well to win to win the Grade Three. Now that he did at Ross Common before the before the big guns came out, mm. so it, it'd be a concern for me. You now, given given the choice between the two, um, I, I think Vuver Marvan is really interesting. Um, he's a horse that came from France with loads of experience. Uh, the reason that he's over here is because, funny enough, it's a bit of a strange one. He he started to get a bit of a mental aversion to the water jumps at uh, <laughs> to the water jumps in France. Oh, wow. And I, he did not like jumping them. So um, his his trainer and owner decided to send him over here and give him a go. And geez, he jumped brilliant in uh, on his Irish debut there in the Paddy Power. He jumped fantastic. Um, on paper, we were hoping he might get an uncontested lead, but uh, Thunder and Roses changed tactics and, uh, and harried him the whole way. And um, he jumped fantastic. He, he showed up well for an awful long way and just got a bit tired late on. And looking at his overall form profile in France, you know, we thought that it might just be worth stepping back and trip here rather than having a real slog in the Tiestes that a two mile five around here might just suit him better. And look, he's a horse that's had loads of racing in France. So the chances of him having a chunk of improvement um, are probably lowly enough, but he ran well enough in the Paddy Power now to suggest that he can compete. And um, he'll give JJ Slevin a right spin, I'd say, because he absolutely winged his fences in the Paddy Power. And uh, if he can do that again, I'd be hopeful he'd run well. Fascinating how he found his way over to Ireland uh, based on, on his aversion to um, the water fences in, in France. Uh, he's well found in the market, Kevin. Would he be your selection? He would be now, but uh, to be honest, it, you're not getting my complete thoughts on the race because, like I said, I haven't quite caught up this far yet. So <laughs> I'll have my full thoughts on Sunday. Um, on ATR, but I, I'd be surprised if I veered away from Vumor Van now once I get it all done. Okay, uh, I have gone for a 50 to 1 shot, Uncle Danny. Check out the Atheris' website to find out if I'm completely absolutely ho bonkers. Hold on now, you didn't go for Polydam? I didn't go for Polydam, no, I went for um, Uncle Danny. 
I think, oh, I think this... Pa- 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 Polydam was turning into your uh, the, your jumps equivalent the pilot reel. You were tipping him up for every disco in town, and he wasn't turning up to anyone. <laughs> oh, I know. It's an absolute disaster. At, at, le- at least there was money back in the Thaestes, Chase. He was a solid moral there. Uh, but, yeah, he, uh, uh, Uncle Danny was very impressive in Cork last year, and then he took a, a bad fall. Oh, I've just got the reminder at the race of stable stars thank you siri don't forget to make your at the race of stable stars changes i totally forgotten <laughs> you have until 11 p.m damn it i shouldn't have said anything uh you have until 11 p.m really to get them in <laughs> and this is a big big weekend so make sure you've got your at the race of stable stars uh, changes made um uh, as for uncle danny he just he was very impressive in cork last season then he took a bad fall at cheltenham and i think they've just been nursing him back and I think there's a race in him. Maybe I'm completely bonkers, but anyway, he's 50 to 1, so I've gone for him. Uh, the last race of the Dublin Racing Festival, to the relief of Gary O'Brien, is, <laughs> is the Coolmore National Sires Irish EBF Mares uh, National and Flat Race. And there's an awful lot of talk about this Cole Reavy, uh, the Flemish filly. She was, or mare, we should be saying, I suppose. Um, she was really good. Uh, the last day. There's been a, a good bit of talk both on and off the track about her. Patrick Mullins on board. They'll be disappointed if she doesn't win. Gary. Yeah, she was she was impressive that day. All right, Emmett. The Flynn family have got some lovely horses. She's very well bred, actually. She's mm. related to Run for Day. We sadly had to be put down after a fall. I think it was at Fairy House last spring. And Spider Webb, the horse that landed a big touch at Leopardstown at Christmas. So she's bred to be good. She looked good that day at Fairy House. Just in the end, I'd be ridden out to be. I think it was Ona Curra last that finished second. It's not a race I would have a particularly strong view about. She looks a worthy favourite based on what I saw over that day. But a few of these have kind of impressed in the little we've seen of them so far. And it's early days for a lot of them as well. You're kind of only scratching the surface with them. The likes of Motown Girl, who won last time, and the other Mullins horse relegate as well. Didn't do a whole lot wrong winning at Punches 10. So mm. I think I'll keep my few quid in the pocket here, Emmett, and maybe wait for the Super Bowl later on. Oh. Aye, aye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get your thoughts on the that. The Eagles are going to win, aren't they? I'm, go- I'm going to get your thoughts on that in a second. We'll yeah. we'll delve more into that in just a second. Uh, Kevin, just to wrap it up, what's your thoughts on the final race of the Dublin Racing Festival? Haven't hammered it down now, but it'll be surprised if I oppose the Fab. Um, I thought she was impressive when she won. Uh, she's a um, Gary mentioned her pedigree. She's a granddaughter of uh, Aries Girl. Um, who was an absolute machine on bumpers. To be fair to her, yeah. Um, back. I'm just checking here. 24 years ago. <laughs> 24 um, years. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think she'd be very tough to beat. It, it is the most succinct way to put that. Okay. Uh, let's get... What do we do? A lucky 15 or a lucky 31? You choose, Kevin. I don't, I don't, I don't know what either of them are, so you choose. <laughs> Gary, you choose. Lucky 15 or lucky 31? Five or four selections. How many do you want from me is all I want to know. Um, <laughs> let, let's say, let's go for a lucky 31 zone. We'll go for two from The Voice. So, Gary, you can lead okay. off. What's the first one? Uh, first one, I'll go Midnight Stroll in the big handicap hurdle tomorrow, the Carl Hurdle. Okay, I like that. That's a big price. I'll throw in Uncle Danny at a huge price. Kevin? I'm scrambling here, but I better put in York Hill just to shorten it up a little bit. All right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the last one from you, Gary? Um, I would probably go Espar Delan. I think he might drift out to a better price than he is at the moment near the off. Okay. So two short ones to boost it up. And then the banker of the whole meeting, 
Jack Adam. There's your lucky 31 for the Dublin Racing Festival. You can see us in Dubai <laughs> afterwards. You must, you must think people hate money. <laughs> Uncle Danny and Jack Adam. I'm telling you, when these horses win, there's going to be... Oh, losing, losing all credibility, there's, Kennedy. There's going to be Moet flying left, right and centre. Bottles of Bollinger being chopped all over oh, Leopard Sound. It's going to be insane scenes. Uh, we yeah, we previewed... And that's only in the bookmaker's tent. <laughs> Oh, great. Kennedy's here. We're going to make an absolute fortune. Fantastic. <laughs> um, right. The Super Bowl is on later on that night, 11.30. And like the Dublin Racing Festival is a great event. What a way to wrap up the weekend uh, with the Super Bowl. Uh, the thing about this is I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. So I hate the Eagles and I hate the Patriots. So it's just got to be a bet that makes me actually... <laughs> Who do you hate less? Exactly. Yeah. That makes me take an interest in this. We previewed this for Matchbook yesterday, Kevin. Ching, ching. Uh, Mike Carlson, the absolute legend, is uh, joins us on the podcast and has for the, throughout the entire season. Um, and we've also gone to prop bets as well on it with Neil Channing and Brad Allen. Uh, we've got a, an excellent expert called Todd Furman as well. And in the end, uh, the boys sided with the Patriots and they sided with them um, essentially in the outright uh, to go with them. They just figured that Brady, Amendola, Gronkowski are, are going to have too much for them. Uh, but it sounds as though Gary O'Brien is going for the underdogs, you're going for the Eagles. Right. <laughs> well, hands up, first of all. A pal of mine actually put me onto the Eagles about six weeks, two months oh, back. And here. Was, I, I wasn't smart enough to have a few quid on. Oh, that's okay, all right. I thought we were going to get an after I thought really there. clever because the quarterback, Carson Wentz, I think he got injured. Yeah. It was the following week. And I thought, well, it's not looking too clever now. And this guy, Nick Foles, who they brought in that's been with them obviously a long time, he just... He's been an absolute star since he, he came in for a relatively unheralded guy. Yeah. Uh, I, having watched the two championship games, just the way they dismantled the Vikings, I just, I thought it was seriously impressive. And it's as much the way you're looking at it, Emmett, from a price point of view. I just can't see that there's as much between them as the prices are suggesting. I mean, the Eagles are two to one, thereabouts to win it. And I think the handicap's about five or six. I think that is definitely enough to suck me in a few points on the underdog yeah you, you're actually oh, yeah, yeah. I haven't had a bet on it yet but you're actually changing my mind because it's a coin flip and you know, they're, they've both got equal records they're 13-3 and three, and that Eagles rush that could actually end up being the key to, to beating the Patriots at the weekend um, Kevin you have two fun bets a year you are one of the most serious <laughs> bettors that I know so I will do a recreational bet at the weekend Kevin no Kevin's got a lot of patience. He will wait. He will time it. And then when he sees something that is right, he strikes. Uh, but you do allow yourself two fun bets. That's the Grand National and the Super Bowl. Famously, your girlfriend and the producer of the show, Producer D, landed the most ridiculous bet of all time in the Super Bowl <laughs> last year when she backed the draw and was asleep <laughs> on the couch and had to be woken up to be told, you won a 20 to 1. Well done, Producer D. <laughs> what is your recreational bet going to be, my friend, on the Super Bowl? I haven't had a chance to really hammer it down now, but based on what I saw la um, two weeks ago, I should say, I'm probably going to go with the Eagles to, with the with the Good few man, points Kev. head start, and um, and hope for the best. I'm going to follow you both in. I'm going to completely ignore yeah. our We're starting our, a plunge here. I'm, I'm going to completely ignore our Las Vegas expert Todd Furman, who does a brilliant podcast <laughs> called Bet the Board. Mike Carlson is one of the absolute best in the game, and I'm going with my two horse racing friends, and we're going for the Eagles. Go on. Yeah. Can't believe it. Well, this will be the time, because there, a point will come where, where, where Brady 
people say, ah, he had a great run, but uh, this was this was the night he looked old. He started to look old, lads, and that could be Sunday night. He has to look old eventually. I mean, the man is 75 years old. Like, he can't keep going, <laughs> for goodness sakes. It's absolutely, to be fair to him, though, uh, and Mike was making this point on the, on the podcast yesterday, um, his throw, like, when you need him under pressure to make a throw, he, he's just able to do it. Like it's and it's not it's not a it's not look the guy's just got it it's it's phenomenal what he can do. He's a freak. He's a freak. He really is. He really is. Um, that's that. Uh, before we go, we're getting lots of tweets from people, uh, and thank you so much for all the kind words. Uh, I recommended people watch the tunnel uh, a while back, and a lot of people have been tweeting me about it. So I'm glad you're you're liking it. It's available on on Sky Q. Um, it's available on the Sky box sets. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's absolutely brilliant. Season one is good. Season two is brilliant. Season three is just an emotional roller coaster. It's a it's a really good show. It's a it's a police drama um, that is split between France and the UK, and I highly highly you recommend. You told it. us all about it before, Kenneth. Yeah, but if you're new to the show, <laughs> Gary O'Brien is Gary O'Brien is attracting new <laughs> listeners to this show. So we've got to we've got to remember that, Kevin Blake. You're a professional broadcaster, man. Come on, have your thinking cap on. Uh, Stephen <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Delahan and Clements Posey are absolutely brilliant in it. Check it out. The tunnel available now. So Gary O'Brien. What is the box set you're currently watching? Oh, my God. You should have really cut me loose before we came to this part, Evan. I'm not going to be much help to you here, I don't think. Um, wouldn't just be the greatest one for box sets. The last one, um, which is probably woefully out of date, that my wife had us watching was The Good Wife. Oh, it's great, Joe. Um, which, yeah, I actually I was a little bit sceptical at the start. Gradually got into it. Thought it was pretty good. The acting was good. But we, as we got into that last... DVD. I just thought the plot lines just started getting more and more ridiculous, and I kind of people were coming back to firms for the second time that they worked for before, and what have you. Mm. It was just you know a little bit ridiculous, but it was. I enjoyed at its height. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Was, uh, so, so it ended up getting cancelled. But there's a, there's a good news story for you here. Um, CBS have copped onto themselves and realised that terrestrial television is dead, and it's all going to go on demand. So they've got CBS All Access. And they've made a spin-off of The Good Wife, which is called The Good Fight. Um, e oh, yes. Egret from Game of Thrones. Uh, remember Jon Snow's girlfriend, Kevin? She's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's the lead uh, alongside um, Juliana Margulies, a longtime partner in, in the show. And it's brilliant. And they can also drop F-bombs in it because... They actually do that in Star Trek Discovery as well. They drop F-bombs in it because it's online. and you Do can not talk about Star Trek. Star Trek is banned. Star Trek Discovery <laughs> is a fantastic show and you should all be watching oh. it. It is brilliant. Jesus. And it's, it streams live every Monday on Netflix. It's fantastic. But The Good Fight is available and I would highly recommend it. It's a, it's a spin-off of, um, of The Good Wife and it's really good. It's very, very good. So season one is available. Watch that now. Uh, Kevin Blake, have you got an update for us on box sets? No, nothing, nothing, okay. nothing. But before we go, um, we better mention it's been a very rough week oh, for it's many been awful. people. It's been awful. Um, good God. Peter Casey, Richard Woolacott, uh, Willie Codd, Malcolm Jefferson, all in a little over a week. It's absolutely horrendous. And uh, sincere commiserations to all their families, all their friends, and everyone that's, that's been affected by, by their loss because it's just been a horrendous run. Good God. And and in such a short space of time as as well, Kevin. And the thing is, you don't really know what to say other than that 
you're incredibly sympathetic and 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 very sorry to hear that happen. I mean, it's you know people who are very connected to this sport and and uh, and who gave an awful lot to it. And um, yeah, it's 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 happened and uh, and happened way too soon. Um, I think Peter Casey really does deserve an awful lot of recognition. Like he. Whatever about his ability as, as training Flemingstar and getting him to perform in the way he did, and he never was the same when he left him. Just his character. I mean, you know, Gary, you interviewed him at the races one day, uh, and I remember it was after the <coughs> Tracy Piggott, the, f the infamous Tracy Piggott <laughs> interview, and you had to pre-record. Most of your interviews are live. You had to pre-record it, and you had to bleep it as well. <laughs> oh, there was no choice. We more or less, <laughs> we more or less knew what was coming, so <laughs> the lads were ready to chop it up and do the needful and insert the bleeps where they were needed. But actually, funny enough, the one that really put the fear of God into me was, um, I think it was when Fleming Star was running in the Hennessy, as it was, as it would have been then, uh, in Leopardstown in February. Hmm. So around about this time of year, and Channel 4 were producing the morning line back then. So they had me interview Peter Casey live on the morning line. <sighs> at about It was about 8 o'clock in the morning. So I was kind of a little bit nervous about this uh -oh. and met, met the boss as he was affectionately known a little bit before we were due to go on and kind of outlined the fact that eight o'clock in the morning was perhaps a little bit before the watershed. So no matter, no matter how I teed him up or provoked him, he wasn't to cross the line. <laughs> and in fairness to him, he was good as gold. We got a, had a bit of a laugh and got through it okay. But yeah, for those couple of minutes, I was... Little bit on edge to say the least. Your entire broadcasting career was <laughs> flashing before your eyes, I should imagine, in that moment. He really was a character though. I mean it's not just his ability as a trainer, Kevin. Like he, he did light up the race course. He did, and I remember I wouldn't have had many dealings with Peter now, but I did an interview with him there about six or seven years ago and I've just brought it up here in front of me too, had uh, to remind myself. Like the man you'd be entertained listening to him talking about his own health because the amount of things that went wrong with him <laughs> <laughs> and he bounced back from it. He defied he, 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 medicine on a few occasions. I think. Oh, stop it! It was about. It would have been about ten years ago now. He, um, he, his lungs collapsed, and he, he got diagnosed with with uh, pulmonary fibrosis. Oh. And his doctors told him he'd treat the six months to live. <laughs> and this is like oh, this was six or seven years on at that stage, and he had a new hip. He was getting cortisone injections in his feet every day and full of stents and just laughing away. Every time he'd go into the doctor, the doctor would be laughing and saying, oh, geez, not you again. I thought you'd be dead. God almighty. <laughs> so he got uh, he, he, he got he got some run, to be fair to Peter. Um, and he, he'll be much missed now. Oh, much he really missed that, as, 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 as will, of course, Martin Jefferson, um, Richard Wollacott and, and, and Willie Codd. Um, just what, what a horrendous week on, on that front. Awful. Unbelievable. Richard gave a lot to the sport too, Kevin, didn't he? Oh, yeah, sure. It, it was only, I suppose... Coming to, to greater attention, I suppose, with 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 with, um, with um, beer goggles, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and Asher looked at himself and Willie Codd now. Just absolutely tragic what happened there. And um, you know, we're, we're I think we're getting better as a society of talking about um, depression and mental health issues and everything else. And we can we can only talk about it more. because uh, mm. it's very upsetting when you've. Um, young families left behind. Mr. Jesus, it's very tough on the people that are left behind. And we can, what can you say? I don't have a clue what to say about these things, but it's just very, very rough. The thing two, is, two actually really good jockeys as well. Before, um, before they started training with, with good success. I mean, I was only reading about Richard Wollacott the other day. He was one of the top 
point-to-point men in England. Willie Codd won the champion 100 chase in punches 10 yeah. on what odds? I think it was around about 2005. So yeah. two, two big guys, you know. And Malcolm Jefferson, I know I'd be a bit older than you guys. You, you probably wouldn't remember. Dato Star was one of the horses I used to love that Malcolm trained back in the early to mid-90s, won the Cheltenham bumper, and he was a smashing hurdler. He was a bit fragile, needed soft ground, but he was a very, very good trainer, a real patient man. He, I, yeah, I, the the tributes the tributes that we made to him today. No, I'd never yeah. met the man or had dealings no, with him. There's some fabulous fabulous tributes to him today. Um, you know, giving you the strong impression that he was a, a guy that that was very good to people and helped people out whenever he could. Yeah, it's the measure of the man, and it's it's lovely to see so many people talk so positively about them. And look, it's been a really tragic week. Uh, we should mention Regina Sharp as well. That horse racing Ireland were, were mentioning a, a former colleague of theirs that that passed away and uh, our, our thoughts at her family as well but it's just been a terrible terrible week for racing and um, as, as both Kevin and Gary have said it's hard to know what to say but I, I, I like the fact that um, there's been so many positive things been said uh, about them and that the only thing you can do is, is try and remember them in, in the best way possible um, but it's very very difficult uh, particularly for, for Jamie Codd's family and our, our thoughts go to them um, but it's been a tough week for racing, and uh, our thoughts and uh, and prayers are obviously with them. Um, right, that's just about it from us. Uh, we're very much looking forward to Cheltenham. Kevin, are we allowed to make our big announcement yet? Um, I don't know. A whole lot for another while. A whole lot for another while. Really? Because uh, we've been making a lot of announcements lately. You want you want to hold off some long some more? No, we'll keep it sweet for another while. Okay. All right. Uh, have you seen anything in the cinema lately, seeing as you've gone on a mad cinema run? No, no. <laughs> I went to go see The Post. I highly recommend it. Uh, Meryl Streep, uh, Tom Hanks, and a surprisingly large ensemble cast. It's it's really, really good and um, definitely a big contender. Move on, move on. <laughs> We're done. Uh, Kevin Blake, Gary O'Brien, myself, Vanessa Ryle. Let's see who else is going to be there. Ed Chamberlain, Tony Keenan. Tony Keenan, Johnny Ward, Robbie McNamara, Sarah Rose. We're all going to be at Leopardstown on sa- on Sunday, I should say. I was going to say Saturday. I was almost doing a Gary O'Brien on it there. On Sunday, uh, it should be an awful lot of fun. If you're around, pop up, say hello to us. Make sure you're videoing Kevin Blake on Saturday when he's watching York Hill. Uh, producers at the races, please record his reaction. That is going to be absolutely priceless. It's a brilliant weekend. It's a great initiative from Leopardstown. Town, and I hope wish them the very best of success with it because it's um, it's an initiative that deserves uh, huge support, which it's getting, and huge recognition as well. Uh, that is it from us. I will just uh, say a huge word of thanks to Gary O'Brien because we had some technical issues, and you would not believe the patience of this man uh, on TV. I, comes I think I caused most of them. In fairness, I'm well, well, on, on television, <laughs> Gary O'Brien seems like the nicest man in the world. I can tell you, <laughs> Gary O'Brien is the nicest and classiest man in the world. Gary, you're an absolute gentleman. Thank you so, so much for joining us on the show. Uh, hopefully, we'll get to see you again very, very soon. Uh, very briefly, the horse, because uh, you are you are not quite as busy as Trappy, but you are one of the busiest men in the game. So the horse that you are most looking forward to backing at the Cheltenham Festival. Oh, without a doubt, presenting Percy. Done. Happy days. Yeah. We got the information from The Voice. Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy the Dublin Racing Festival. Thanks for listening. Hope you're enjoying the twice-a-week podcast as well. Thank you for all the kind words and social media, media about the ITV gig for Kevin and myself as well. We are absolutely honoured and privileged, and hopefully we'll make a good go of it. Um, thanks for listening. We're back with a new Final Forum podcast with Vanessa Ryle on Monday. Talk, talk to you then. Thanks for listening. From Kevin Blake. Good luck. From The Voice. Cheers, Emmett. See you Saturday. And from me, Emmett Kennedy. Sunday. 
Sunday. I'll see you Sunday. <laughs> and for me, I'm just going to see you Sunday. See you Sunday, everybody. Have a great weekend. God bless. Have you downloaded the free app, The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheraces.com forward slash app for more details.